Hey everyone, it's me, Stephanie, the hostess of the Macabre Family Podcast. Join me and my whole Macabre family every week as we tell you all the tales of spooky, kooky, creepy, freaky, hairy, you name it, we got it at the Macabre Family Podcast. Join us every week on all listening platforms. Stay spooky. Welcome back to a dead letter podcast where we delve into the mysterious and unexplained phenomena that have fascinated humans for centuries. In today's episode, we will explore some of the most intriguing and spine-tingling aspects of the paranormal world. From ancient folklore to modern day sightings, these phenomena have captured the imaginations of people across the globe and continue to spark curiosity and wonder in those who seek to understand the mysteries of the universe. So sit back, relax, and join us as we embark on a journey into the unknown, exploring some of the most fascinating and eerie aspects of the paranormal world. Now, we back. This is going to be some consistent back-to-back shit for maybe like four or five episodes. I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself because, you know, the holidays are coming. Usually those are super busy. Um, but again, you know, follow us on IG at a Dead Letter Podcast and share your stories. Uh, the more you, sh- and, you know, the more shares we get, the farther our reach goes, the more listeners usually mean more stories for you guys and more episodes. Um, and then just a quick shout out to Bull Talk by Joe, Think About Us, The League of Kings, Conversation Cabin, Shadows in the Attic, Parallel Boys, formerly known as Parallel Discussion on YouTube, Marmol Games on YouTube, Brutal Bizarre Boozy, Beyond the Shadows podcast, and um, the Total Conundrum podcast. Check them all out. They're great. They're fun. Let's begin. So there's another one from work. And uh, this one happened like a year ago. We had just opened up the warehouse. Uh, the cleaning crew was barely getting established. We had experienced a couple of eerie shit there already, you know. And if you listen to those early episodes, you know the stories. But if you don't, you know, tell your friends. Tell them to check them out. Uh, one of the overnight crew members reported hearing baby cries in the restrooms in the back. Um, and this is like a secure warehouse during the time or during the nighttime. This occurred when there was no employees around. She was the only one on that side. Uh, she brushed it off not too long after her co-worker quit and they assigned a new employee to work with her. As she was training her, she, she was showing her how to clean the restrooms in the back and the break area where she had heard those baby cries in the beginning. Uh, she didn't mention anything to the new girl. Um, and she did not want to scare or spook her. And then after a couple of minutes of leaving the girl alone to clean the restroom, she comes out and uh, she tells her that she hears a baby crying, but there's no one in the restroom but her. So she starts saying that maybe we should report this to security, um, and they call it in. Security looks into the cameras. Uh, nobody went in the restroom while she was in there. There was nobody parked in the backside of the building as we tend to close the gates like around 8, 8 p.m., I think. Um, and also keep in mind, it's around 2 a.m., like, in the morning uh, when this is happening, so there's, like, no one there. Like, they're literally the only ones in that side. I think the shift doesn't come in for, like, another 20 minutes. Uh, so the girl gets a little spooked, and I think she ended up quitting till like, a week after that. And obviously she shared this with, like, everybody in her little group, and they kind of told her, oh, you're just hallucinating because it's fucking late. But could they, could, could two people, like, legit see or experience the same thing, and then you're going to call, are they both crazy? I mean, and keep in mind, this is the same restaurant where we had the other encounter with the dude, uh, saw a little girl while he was cleaning it, and this was just ran out, you know? So, 
I don't know. And then this one was sent in, and the guy titled it as uh, Don't Be a Bad Kid. Yeah, man, bad kids are annoying. I was in my teens. Can't quite recall what age, but I was in my metal phase. I was listening to nothing but metal. All my pants and shirts were black, everything black. If they had any color, it was because they were a band shirt. I was even painting my nails black. That's how deep I was into this. Remember, everybody, it's a, it's a way of life. It's not a phase. <laughs> um, I was listening to Iron Maiden, my favorite band, by the way. I was listening to The Number of the Beast. I had the album on repeat. I had a rough time. It goes, I had a rough time at school. I wasn't that liked, and I did not have that many friends. So I would act out at home or at night. So I would act out to get more attention. On this day, I think I went overboard with my parents. I got into a shouting match with my parents over some chores that I refused to do. Um, I locked myself in my room and left my CD player on repeat and cried myself to sleep. Dang. Alanis Morrison, is this you? Um, I woke up in the middle of the night to my CD player on repeat playing the song The Number of the Beast. I start to rub my eyes because I see blurry, but I noticed that my door was open. I become mad immediately because my parents had entered my room without my permission. I remember some curse words at my parents, but I'm but I'm stopped when I hear two heavy steps coming from the hallway. I get up, raising my voice, don't open my door, expecting to see my dad at the end of the hallway. Instead, I am greeted by a large black figure standing at the end of my hallway. I slam my door shut, turn the music off, and hide under the covers. I hear its steps, its heavy footsteps, as it walks towards my room and stops at my door. It begins to call my name in a deep voice. I start crying, and I start apologizing in my head. And the last thing I thought I'd do was pray. I started praying, asking God to help me, and that I was sorry. In the morning, I apologized to my parents, and I stopped listening to heavy metal before going to sleep. I haven't seen that thing since. Look, man, just don't blame the music. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> You're making these choices over some chores. What were they? They, they had you clean some shit, and you said, no, just, just clean it. It only take like 15 minutes. Um, but this is kind of one of those uh, moral story was, always listen to your parents, or else Uncle Koi is going to come get you. All right, here's another camping story. I was about 10 or 11 when my family decided to camp out one weekend in Oregon. I just don't remember which one. We were two families deep, but it was a lot of us. I remember the first night, me and my cousins were running through the trails, and we would occasionally splash into and any of the small streams we would find. Uh, once nightfall came, it was pitch black, like dark. You couldn't see shit. Like You would need a really strong, powerful flashlight to navigate your way around. Um, I was sharing a large tent with two of my cousins. We were close, you know, we were close to the fire as we could see the shadows of all that would walk past our tent. Uh, that gave us some sort of comfort as it was dark and it was pretty scary. And again, we were 10 years old. Um, everything was good and we fell asleep pretty fast. Uh, deep into the night, my cousin wakes me up and asks, do you see that? It took me a moment for my eyes to adjust, but he was pointing out, that he kept seeing a pair of hands press on the side of the tent. I saw them. Small handprints appeared to be checking how solid the lining was. I didn't think much of it as our other cousins were here too. I called out one of their names and got a giggle for a response. Fully convinced that I was one of my younger family members, I persuaded my cousin to open the tent and come out with me. 
Using the light of the moon, we looked around for whoever was running their hands on our tent, but we did not find anyone immediately. We walked around the tents and saw a small figure and assumed that was one of our cousins and walked towards it. I asked it why it was up so late, and it just giggled like before. It started walking towards the bushes and the trees and looking back at us like if it wanted us to follow him. Still thinking this was one of our younger family members, I told him to stop and come back. It ignored me and kept walking towards the bushes. It walked deep enough to where we could only see its eyes, which at this point were giving out a yellowish reflection or glow. I got a bad feeling and I told my cousin we should head back to the tent. In the morning, I was asking around for that little boy I saw at night. He was a little brown boy with beige or brown shorts. I asked my family, but they said we did not have anyone here with that complexion. I was puzzled. What did I see that night? Can our eyes even glow at night? I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I know our eyes don't reflect light like that. I think cats do and shit like that and other uh, demonic entities do. Nah, I'm just with you. I don't know. You probably saw like a fucking spirit of the forest or something. Um, but yeah, man, next time just stay in your tent. <laughs> stay in your tent. Stay in your tent. Um, but yeah, this is kind of one of those other reasons too why like yeah, I don't want to camp because like you never know what you're gonna see. You just never know what you're gonna find. You're gonna find some kind of fucking huge ass creature, some kind of bear, some kind of like fucking little dead kid over here. You know. And they're like, nah, I'll leave that up to uh, to everybody else. All right, and then, then this appears to be the last story of the show. Um, this one was shared by my amorcito who works with kids with special needs like autism, etc., she has a client in the Linwood, California area, and uh, during her visits while she would work with the kid, she would often feel like a presence or someone in the house or hallway or kitchen. I remember her telling me one time that I think while she was playing with the kid, she believed she saw somebody or something peeking from the kitchen and the uh, kitchen from the kitchen. And she asked the mother if there was anybody else in the house, and I guess the mother said no and asked why. And she told her, like, hey, man, I don't mean to scare you, but I've been seeing someone or something, like, just walking back and forth in your hallway and, like, walking back and forth in your kitchen. And then the mother tells her, oh, stop, you know, don't tell me this shit that you're seeing things because I live by myself. It's going to scare me. Was it? She said she, oh, yeah, that she would kind of see things too, but she just thought it was the stress of raising kids with special needs. Uh, well, fast forward to, like, today, or in this case, when this shit was told to me, maybe like a week ago, uh, she tells me that her client told her that her son had been waking up at night and saying that he sees a person like all black, all black in the hallway, just looking into his room. And that the son even goes as far as to grab the phone and try to record this thing, I guess. Um, but the, the, obviously the son can see it, but she can't because then she'll grab the phone and there's like nothing in there. Um, but she also told me, I guess she doesn't really get bad vibes from this present in their presence in the house uh, she thinks that's probably like the the client's uh sister that's that had just recently passed kind of like watching over them and shit like that oh man well i guess i thought that was going to be the last one i'm just looking at my notes i guess i was going to end this one with a banger um so i think i heard this this one this story at uh, in another podcast i think it's either podcast extra normal which is in spanish so obviously I'm going to translate this one, but that's another podcast that's a banger. If obviously you understand Spanish and you like paranormal stories, go check them out. Uh, 
they have really good shit, like really good content. Like I say, way better than mine. Like, <laughs> like really good. Um, and I guess I'm gonna summarize it for you guys. And this one has uh, it's another story that deals with uh, the holy death or La Santa Muerte. Uh, and this and this story starts out with three friends. Um, and I guess the guy telling the story goes like, "Fuck, you know, I accidentally offered my friends, I guess, to this thing." And these were three friends that were like, you know, closest brothers. They grew up together. You know, they shared their dreams and goals with each other. Uh, one of them, the main protagonist of the story, wanted to be a doctor. Another one wanted to be the best soccer player of the country. And then another one just wanted true love, you know. And so as these guys grew up, um, they started to learn things and become familiar with things. Um, one of them became familiar with one, I think it was maybe the soccer player. I think the one that wanted to become a soccer player, he is, his grandma actually was like kind of like a shaman or spirit, spiritual person. She had an altar in her, in her house or in her property backyard to the Holy Death where she would do like favors or works for people. Uh, so one day these guys uh, got the bright idea while everybody was out to like, hey man, we're going to go over here. You know, we're going to ask you for these, for our goals and we're going to be successful, you know. And then I guess them not really familiarizing themselves with the proper path or procedures. They just assumed because the guy would just see his his grandma like, uh, you know, cut chickens and, and let the blood pour, uh, pour on the altar. And he assumed that's all it took. So obviously the first friend who wanted to be a soccer player, um, he went up first. Obviously this time around, too, there was no chickens. So the only thing that they had to offer was blood, which they assumed was a correct offering. So, you know, that he goes up to it and he's like, hey, you know, I want to I be the greatest soccer player of this country. And bam, he cuts himself and he lets the blood drip on the altar. Uh, the second friend comes and is like, you know, I want to find true love. He cuts himself and he lets the blood drip on the altar. And then just as the, the third friend, who's going to become a doctor, is about to go, you know, ask his wish and cut himself. The grandma comes and starts uh, asking him, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, get away from there. And I guess these guys get spooked and they fucking run out. <clears throat> so uh, fast forward, um, these guys get through high school. Uh, the, soc the the friend who wanted to become a great soccer player ends up making it to the first division. Um, and he, you know, he becomes successful. He's making it. He ends up getting picked up by his his favorite team when i think they said uh, his team was uh, chivas or something his i think that's the team they said you know so he he while he was um making his way i think he he got summoned or he got bought into i think their it was a chivas team but i think it was like the the segunda division which is like the second division like right before right before the main guys that represent him um he unfortunately got into a bad ox accident and he he died um and then the second friend who had wished for love ended up finding love you know he found the love of his life he ended up um he ended up getting a family and then i think he was working on a construction site i think because he was you know he was successful what he was doing and he got crushed by one of those machines in a horrible horrible accident so seeing this um and the friend starts to get scared. He's like, oh, fuck, you know, this thing's coming for me. Like, I'm fucking scared. You know, like, I've, you know, I don't know what I've, I don't know what I got myself into. So he ended up reaching out to the grandmother of the friend. And he goes like, yeah, I know you don't want to see me because I know you blame me for these things. But can you help me? And, you know, and she's, you know, can you help me get rid of this thing? And she kind of tells him, you know, like, hey, don't, 
worry about it because, you know, she kind of asked him like, oh, what did you, what did, you know, she asked him like, oh, what did you ask the thing about to become a doctor? And she's like, you're about to graduate in a week. Like the thing's not going to come for you. Um, and he kind of asked why, because like, you know, like you guys, when I came here and I caught you guys cutting your wrists and offering the blood, like this thing doesn't work with blood. Like you don't offer it blood, you offer it, it's life, it's life for life, you know? And because you were the only person that didn't, you know, cut yourself or offer anything, you were the only ones whose wish really was fulfilled, you know? And your offerings were pretty much your friends since they were the ones that cut themselves and gave their blood. It's like you gave them their lives for you to become a doctor. And yeah, he's a, he's a really successful doctor. But moral of the story is, again, don't be, don't be messing with those type of things if you're not too familiar with how they work. And that's it for today's episode of A Dead Letter. If you have a paranormal story to share, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through the Instagram page, A underscore dead underscore letter underscore underscore podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, keep your mind open and sleep with one eye open. In a perfectly normal house, on a perfectly normal street, a perfectly normal group of friends meet to play a perfectly normal tabletop role-playing game. Travelling by cart is quite expensive these days. Well, we still have the money. Exploring the perils and threats of a fantasy world rocked by an apocalyptic war. Only as the Harbinger raised a great army of evil and began a campaign of destruction across the world of Tor. But what will... He's the guy we're getting the grimoire for. Leah. Well, yeah, they're the ones who gave us the quest. Matt. Right, so now that's done. You guys want to head to the pub? Gina. Wait, what? What about the treasure? And Rosie. Oh, the one who told us about the tower. Don't realise is there is much more to this game than they know. The tragic history and secrets of Tor will be laid bare as Lathar the Elven Warrior. I want it clear that I'm not happy about this. Yela the Fey Ranger. Now they just roam around looking for victims. They loot settlements, kill everyone they come across. Belink the Goblin Rogue. Can't I just blast our way in? Can't I? Aeolin the Scholarly Orc. It's incredible. The layout is reminiscent of the hedonistic church of the ancient empire. And Vureeth the Ashlander Mage. From the way that Leonard was acting, it seems like this grimoire is something dangerous. Attempt to survive the world left behind by the War of Destruction. From the volcanic wastes of the Ashen Plains to the frozen north of Wisecrag, much will be revealed in their journey on their quest of ruin. A fortnightly dark fantasy podcast available now.